Shut up and sit down. Hello strangers and welcome to episode 52 of Strangers in a Cinema, a film podcast. Uh, this week I am joined by my regular co-host Pete Wall and our regular producer Jack Mills and we are going to be running through our best of the year this year, so best of the year so far. I yeah, not best of the year last year yeah. so far. <laughs> uh, yeah, we're really excited about this one because it's going to kind of cap off the first, well, not exactly six months of the year, more like around seven, seven yeah. just seven about months. seven. Yeah. It's but not like us to be late to anything, is it? So. What, well, what we've done is we've waited for everybody else to throw out their list. We've been a bit considered about it, and now we're going to give you our take on what, yeah, the kind of list that's been doing the rounds recently. Um, we're also going to have, though, a review of the film out this week, uh, The Big Sick, which we've talked about for a little while with Kamal Nanjani's sort of story of ro- uh, the romance and sort of problems in his relationship. And that film, we've decided, won't be um, inconsistent intention for any of our top top six lists so it kind of marks the watershed between what we perceive to be the sort of earlier part of the year and then what could be applied yeah, so to it's not to say it doesn't deserve to be there because it, it may well be but we yeah. just yeah we just yeah. had to make a call on that one and yeah. we've gone for, for for listeners who aren't familiar with with um, some features we've done in the past we used to do something called six of the best uh, just to keep it slightly different really to a top five so hence why there's a top six so it would be six of the best of the year so far I think probably in order of preference I think we've we've managed to we've managed to lock that down um, so the show will have a slightly different format this week to account for that there'll be uh, one popcorn movie each uh, Jack will talk about his homework feature review and then on to the list so I think um, yes so to give us a bit of extra time in the foyer is, is gone this week so apologies for those people expecting some really up to date film news from us um, it's not going this week um, should we get into popcorn movies then Pete let's jump right in without further ado ado um, <laughs> are you up first or am I up first you can go first oh thank you man uh, that's the reward I get for correcting any of your pronunciation yes uh, okay I am I wanted to sort of campaign for having a popcorn section even though we've got a chart this week because I want to talk about one movie I have finally seen All About Eve from 1950 uh, shouts uh-huh. out shouts out to a friend and scholar uh, Rodrigo Sanchez a, uh, a student of mine who recommended this to me and was kind of um, gobsmacked that I hadn't seen it yet considering the amount that I talk about films I'll keep it brief it's directed by a uh, man by the name of Joseph L. Mankiewicz. Um, It stars Bette Davis in one of the just most fantastic performances I've seen in like a long, long time. Um, The basic story of All About Eve is that there's a young sort of uh, naive girl who shows up at the stage door of a somewhat aging actress played by Bette Davis and seems to be kind of obsessed by her and aspiring to be at least close to her, if not actually to be her. Um, throughout the course of the film, we see Bette Davis move from this sort of powerful, in-control, alpha female figure to a sort of um, insecure, slightly unstable, uh, very catty figure lashing out at everybody around her because her position at the top of the acting world might be um, under threat from younger up-and-coming actresses. Top amongst those, Eve Harrington, um, the... Uh, and Baxter character in this film yeah it just like wonderful the film is all about perf- like life as performance and the way in which we sort of take on roles and the way in which those roles change over time the some of the dialogue here is so smart because what it does is has one it has one character sort of hearing a bit of dialogue a line a phrasing a way to say something and then a couple of scenes later that 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 language will come back out of that character's mouth so it's like the characters in the film are picking up the way they speak from other characters who are sort of directing their own okay. um, way of expressing themselves you know like the way where we pick up phrases off each other right like you've been saying something for a while and I start including Call it in my excited, like <laughs> yeah, that's, that's yeah. never going to happen <laughs> in that case but yeah but pull the trigger I don't know yeah um, pull the trigger yeah I'll give you that but one, that too. kind of vernacular like seeps into the way you express yourself and yeah the way the dialogue was written here I, I almost sort of had to pause the film a couple of times just to exclaim like that is just fantastic it is, writing it's very good I think 
think the last time I watched it was when I was at university, which I didn't think was that long ago, but is quite a while ago. Uh, as part of we were doing one of the modules is Star Power, and, and Bette Davis came up. So yeah, it's a great film, and I'm glad you've uh, absolutely glad fantastic. You've yeah, it. yeah, huge recommendation. Um, if you haven't caught up with it yet, that's 1950s uh, All About Eve. Paul, what you got? Uh, I've got um, a film again recommended to, re- recommended to me by a friend. Uh, part of the reason I'm probably struggling for my words uh, today is because um, we did actually watch this last night whilst quite inebriated I have to say so uh, thank you to my friends who have just returned from in Norfolk but yeah this is The Great Race um, from 1965 directed by Blake Edwards um, and it's got quite a starry cast in it it's got Jack Lemmon, Tony Curtis and Natalie Wood um, now I knew zero about this film I have to say absolutely nothing about it and within kind of the first five minutes I thought hold on a minute this looks a lot like the, uh, the, the animation Wacky Races it turns out Pete that this is the film that Wacky Races was indeed based on um, and the premise is um, uh, Tony Curtis's sort of heroic character is a stuntman and he is racing from La- New York to Paris um, and he's racing the villainous Dr. Fate um, who has all these madcap contraptions and sort of cars that jump up on stilts, rockets that track people and uh, it, it's mental. It's, it's, it's a lot of fun. Um, yeah, it's, it's basically like a live-action cartoon. Uh, Jack Lemmon is on amazing form. He plans up playing two roles, both the villainous Doctor Fate and then the Prince Hoknik uh, later on, and that's that's very entertaining. Um, it loses its way completely towards the end, um, to the point where I think maybe the director of the film just walked off of set and let them get on with it. There's, uh, there's a manic bar fight, there's a custard pie fight that gets out of hand. That is a lot of fun. Um yeah, it's it's not perfect by any stretch, but it's a lot of fun, and I heartily recommend anyone checking out the Great Race. Brilliant. So that's my uh, that's my popcorn film for the week. So Jack, you had so, Memento set for you last I time. I did. Right? Yes, uh, this film for me was uh, quite interesting that I hadn't actually seen it, considering I enjoy Christopher Nolan's films. Um, first of all, I thought it was it was highly tricky to get into to start with. I felt quite confused um, but as it sort of settled down as the film went on it sort of made a lot more sense um, there was a lot more connecting bits in it um, I think cinematically the way it was ordered really worked for the narrative that you didn't know what had happened before so it worked with him as the actor with short term yeah you're kind of put looks. in the position of that yeah, character yeah absolutely right? um, so that was good um, I did sort of spend the majority of the time that I was watching just eagerly trying to figure out what was going on Um, and uh, yeah I think it takes your full attention and it's quite confusing I think I will watch it again just to sort of there is a version there is a version on one of the DVD or Blu-ray releases where the film is played forward in the actual which I haven't got around to watching I'd be quite intrigued to see that but genuinely a friend of mine at university went to his university film library to take out Memento I think word of mouth he got the impression that it was worth watching and the copy that he happened to take out unbeknownst to him was the only one the one that you're mentioning that runs in chronological order and he watched that film and he sort of came back to us after a break I'm not sure like I understand what all the hype's about and I was like yeah man the the central conceit is that it's in reverse chronological order so yeah weird that that even exists I guess a bit of a a curate's egg I think it was fab but there were moments where I was a bit like what the fuck is going on to be to be honest um but i think my favorite part about the film was the black and white cutscenes when he was on the phone the conversations he was having on the phone i thought that worked really well and the whole thing with him tattooing himself i thought that was that was pretty cool see i'd like to after talking about dunkirk last week i think i'd liked as much as i I think we established definitely established that i liked it more than pete um i'd quite like to see nolan go back to um potentially making smaller films like that again to be honest rather yeah, than rather than I mean he seems to have taken two massive blockbusters big budget films, um, which is yeah. fine I think he's very good at those but I would like to see him go back to sort of more yeah. smaller scale projects yeah I was thinking about this today Paul and I thought I think the reason why my favourite Nolan film is The Prestige is because that's a film where like form and content are completely in step with mm. each other because the whole film is about sort of illusion and like being tricky yes. and everything's for the show right which I think suits Chris Nolan down to the ground mm. and I think that maybe why I got so sort of irate last week when we were talking about Dunkirk is I feel like we've just got him superimposing this sort of trickiness onto maybe yeah. content that doesn't need that but I'm in the minority there so you know we had that conversation last week yeah, yeah. No, I, <laughs> absolutely but no I'm glad, I'm glad you enjoyed it it's certainly an interesting film yeah, I definitely. think it's personally think probably think it's his best but 
Um, yeah, Prestige is very good. But anyway, there's there's a whole Nolan top six of the best, I'm sure, at some point. <laughs> Down the road. At yeah. some point to come. Yeah, sure. Um, so that about, that about wraps up Popcorn Movies, I think. So we'll be back after a brief interlude uh, with our feature review of Michael Showwater's, I think that's how you pronounce his name, The Big Sick. And we're back with, as I said just before that little piece of music, uh, a feature review of The Big Sick. Um, Pete, do you want to set this one up for us? Yeah, sure. So this one is um, a romantic comedy of sorts, um, of sorts will be explained later on, uh, centering around the relationship between uh, Pakistani-American stand-up comedian Kamal Ninjani that some people might know from his cameo roles in numerous films, usually a sort of weird marginal character. he's got a fairly major role in Silicon Valley. He has, yeah, you've film. seen that. I haven't really, other than the stuff you've shown me, I haven't really caught up with it too much. He also uh, appears on Doug Loves Movies all the time, which is where I think I've grown to love him uh, quite a bit. He does a thing called The X-Files Files, which he go, <laughs> where he goes through every episode of The X-Files. That comes up in the movie. But anyway, the movie... I need to hear that. I didn't know he'd done that. The, that sounds the awesome. movie itself, because well, it's referenced, <laughs> yeah, like, yeah. sort of, yeah. in this in this film but um yeah the, the movie itself centers on his real life relationship with his now wife Emily V Gordon and um their sort of courtship and the ups and downs and trials and tribulations of that relationship along cultural lines because of the fact that he comes from a fairly um traditional Pakistani Muslim um upbringing and his parents have certain expectations not least that he should probably get an arranged marriage there's no probably about it they think yeah. that he should absolutely get an arranged marriage which his mother where his mother's going to choose his wife and then also the fact that during the time that they're dating or were dating in reality um, Emily V. Gordon got very sick um, hence the title of the film and Kumail stuck around to support her parents during that time in the film I should say I think she's renamed something like Emily um, yeah Gardner, maybe Gardner. It's similar to her surname, but yeah. not, not exactly the same. And Emily V. Gordon doesn't take that role herself. It's here. Um, she's portrayed by Zoe Kazan. Who is awesome, isn't she? Who's very, very good. Yeah, has got the kind of the face of um, someone like, oh, who's the young actress that I'm always talking about who looks about 12, um, who's in everything. Never mind. Um, but she looks a lot younger than her age. I think she's 33. So the age gap between herself and Kumail may be five or six years, whereas in reality that gap's a little bit smaller yeah. with his wife. But apart from that, following fairly faithfully, I think, to the events of their relationship, as much as I can gather yeah. around this film. Um, yeah, I said it's a romantic comedy of sorts, Paul, because this isn't all laughter, right? It's not all laughter. Um, yeah, it's it's very emotional in places, as as one might expect if there's there's an illness involved, uh, and there is. It's not it's not a massive spoiler. It's in the trailer to know that obviously that his um, the Emily character does end up in a medically induced coma so there's some quite tragic moments attached to that um and actually it's it's such i don't know it, it is a romantic comedy but then it is so much else at the same time i think it's just in places it's such a well-observed sort of relationship drama there's there's moments, i went to see it with my other half and there's a scene where he's is showing her some films for example and like watching her reaction to to make sure she's actually watching the film and likes it and then like my other half Laura's looking at me going that's you i'm like that pretty much is me yeah um I just th I just think this film was was superb. I think it's it's a masterclass in screenwriting, and I think it helps obviously that the two it is about the people that wrote it. Obviously, it is I have experienced that have experienced the story. Yeah, because I didn't mention Paul, but we should say Emily V. Gordon co-wrote this yes. with Kumail. So yeah, yeah, absolutely from that first person perspective. So the fact that they wrote it is is great, and I just think it's so well observed in in its character creation and and its writing. I think it's it's very sharp witted. I don't think I've seen I've probably seen a better script for want of a much better description of it for quite some time it's just very very tightly written very very well observed and very very uh, naturalistic and human I think I think I could relate to every single one of these characters and sometimes in in rom-coms and it is ultimately probably its biggest genre influence is romantic comedy I think and that I think sometimes romantic comedy is so, so certainly to so some film circles is perhaps seen as a dirty word in places. We go on oh, another romantic comedy. This is one of the finest I've seen ever. I would, I would. Well, say. there's an honesty, isn't there, Paul? Yeah. I, mean, I think coming into some of the best right now, we've seen this year um, that show Master of None. Yeah. Um, uh, remind me the guy's name. I, why have I blanked on everybody's name today? <laughs> 
Um, the leading master of none. Think yeah. on that. Everybody, everybody's screaming at this yeah. show yeah. right now. Yeah. Um, but then also I've like as well. like the the Netflix one man show from Hassan Minaj, which I suggest people check out as well, called Homecoming King, where we've got these characters who are coming from um, a background that clashes with their new sort of American life. And I think all this and those two things previously mentioned, Master of None and Homecoming King, do an amazing job of being like raw and honest and uh, sort of testimonial about what it really I, feels like. I agree with that. And I think what it does, it say... I mean, Aziz Ansari. There we Aziz go. Aziz Ansari, yes, from Master <laughs> of None. Yeah. Um, yeah. I think if you, if you look at it compared to, say, something like Bend It Like Beckham or East is East or kind of like... If this had been a British-made film and he'd been a British-Pakistani... The kind of the traditional sort of Pakistani family influences would have been done in such a twee over the top way, and I think they would have come across. They and I find this with Easton East and certainly Bennett like Beckham is they, those characters tend to be played out as massive caricatures and almost, almost for me of almost offensive stereotypes. Whereas in uh, the Big Sick, they're not there. You know, they're, they're not stereotypical characters. I don't think any of the, the his family are overblown in in the slightest. And I just, I just think it was so much more natural than, than yeah, those films. And we, and we should say, for sake of balance, I mean, those films that you mentioned are, what, like 15 years old now. So it would be yeah. interesting to see if a British film of that kind was made by the right people right now. Whether, whether it maybe be more like em- The Big Sick than Yeah, it, than, like emulate yeah. some of the, the good writing that we yeah. see here. But yeah, this is all to say that, as Paul has mentioned, it's really well written. Um, it seems sort of honest and, and heartfelt for the most part. Also, I wanted to mention Ray Romano and Holly Hunter play the parents of Zoe Kazan. And one of the things I thought was the one of the greatest strengths maybe this movie is that because we've got the central romantic interest off screen a lot of the time or prone in a bed mute you know in an induced coma as you said we have to see the way that the relationship develops away from her and how do we do that well in this film I think it's done really smartly with the way Kumail bonds with her mother yes you see like the way he starts looking at the mother and kind of um, extrapolating things that he might learn about the the character played by Zoe Kazan from the way that this Holly Hunter character sort of uh, holds herself the kind of jokes that she tells the moments where she sees fit to laugh or be serious and I just thought that to me was so um, intriguing and refreshing and something you don't see that much because I do that I do that with my girlfriend's mum the way that she is gives me all this like faith in how my girlfriend might be in the future, and I think that's yeah. quite common actually. But it's not something you see acknowledged very much on no. screen, I think. No, and that's that's what I mean, and that's why you know that's that's, that's why I, I genuinely love this film so much because there's elements like that, and it just feels so much more real than anything I've seen for quite a long time, to be perfectly honest. And it is elements like that because, as you say, because it just. It just felt like it, it just felt, and this is going to sound very trite and cliched when I was just criticizing other films for being trite and cliched. But it just, this film felt very, it felt like it was written by real people that you actually know, not just thrown together by some script, you know, by screenwriters who are just making up a script because they got paid to do it. Mm. You know where I'm coming from. I think uh, the personal, the, I think the personal experience that the screenwriters have had obviously helps. Um, but there's just something so good about all the characters and the way they're constructed. Well, it's been incubating for a long time, I think. Yeah. Uh, Kumail and his wife have been married for about 10 years, and I think he's had this on the back burner for a long time. They both have, yeah. to finally get the opportunity to bring it to screen. And I think it's actually gone wider in terms of its release now, uh, at least stateside. And yeah. here, we've got it in our town, Paul, yeah. so it must be doing okay. Yeah. So, you know, more power to them, because there's obviously writing talent here, as we're saying. And it is great, just to reiterate what you said, to see that a romantic comedy doesn't have to just be cliches, twee yes. idealistic not everything is di- idealistic particularly when it comes to love and romance and relationships I mean the only thing I'd say in any kind of a negative column with this film and it's very small is I would have liked a bit more of the development between the two central characters before we get to the sequences okay. where she's out of the film but in the fairly what is it two hours this film just under two hours I think it's just under two hours yeah. within the running time I still think they do a good job of handling like pacing and, and ordering scenes I, and stuff like yeah, that, I, so. I thought it was great and as I said that you know the only reason it has been excluded from the next section is because of the release date and I think it probably would have come quite certainly sat in the uh, sat in my films of the year so far um, if we haven't sort of set, set a date cut off so uh, yeah certainly from me watch it it's fantastic there's one from this year maybe last year in the States I wanted to mention when I saw this because of all the naturalistic stand up comedy stuff and mm. I don't know if I talked about it on the show that's Don't Think Twice which is Mike Burbiglia's okay. uh, sort of ensemble comedy about stand up comedy right. and it certainly is sort of 
of a piece yeah. not in terms of the, the illness stuff that occurs in the, in the big sick but all of that sort of insecurity about performance and stand-up comedy so yeah don't think twice is worth checking out if you enjoy the big sick cool all right well we'll be back after this with uh six of the best so far in 2017 So, six of the best so far of 2017. So this is where we will go round, uh, each one of us. Uh, we were WhatsApping about this this episode the other day, and uh, bless him, Jack just Jack just put in a little message that said, can I have a top six? <laughs> <laughs> and we went, no. Yeah. Get back in your place, okay. get beyond yeah, your laptop. So we said produce. no, he refused to do any more production for us, and then we relented. No, we, of course Jack can have a top six. So I think what we'll do is we'll start with Pete, We'll go round the room. We'll go six, 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 five, 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 four, four, four. I don't need to. Have you put me first so I don't just talk over everybody else? I think you'll do that regardless of (laughs) regardless of whether you go first. So yeah. So uh, unless unless anyone has a desire to go first, in which no, I'm I'm happy to take that on. And that's that's what we'll do. So um, let's do it. Six of the best so far, 2017, starting with Pete's number six. Yeah, I I don't want to um, shirk that responsibility. (laughs) I do want to mention though, we did have some feedback from listeners regarding their own top sixes, which we wanted to just throw out a couple of mentions before we we get going. Yeah, Yeah. so um, Paul, you had someone on on Twitter you wanted to bring up. I did. Apologies if I'm making a mockery of your Twitter handle here, Uh, but at Zafster. Yeah, it's made a mockery um, of itself, mate. I wouldn't worry about it. (laughs) So at Zafter has given us a top five here, uh, which is good. Um, I assume these are in order. So starting at number five, Spider-Man Homecoming, Baby Driver, Wonder Woman, Guardians of the Galaxy 2 and Logan. I think he might be a comic book fan. Is Logan number one there or was that? I think Logan's number one. Okay. So I, think I've, I think I've gone from number five. Correct me if I'm wrong, Zafter. I do apologise. Uh, so that's Zafter's list, which is interesting. And I, I enjoyed all of those films. Probably Wonder Woman would be my least favourite on that list, but I did enjoy all of those films. Uh, what else did we get? Uh, we've got one here from Rob Hayes, who has put Fences at Five, Endless Poetry, which I've heard a lot of buzz about and haven't quite with yet. Number four for Rob. So yeah, we'll be really keen to get to that. Get Out, which we both liked a lot, is number three. Oct- also a favourite of the show number two and at number one Manchester by the Sea which I still haven't seen I, I went and watched Casey Affleck beat up all the women the other week in uh, in The Killer Inside Me but I haven't yet seen Manchester by the Sea just because I think that I, I'm not sure I want to subject myself to being punched in the gut that hard and that's what it feels no. like it's going to be like but we'll see and then um I've got one here from a Francesca Ledgley um, profile picture judging by the profile picture very beautiful uh, number five for, for <laughs> oh, Francesca is <laughs> is The Handmaiden number four represent Baywatch uh, I a girl after my own heart has she only seen five films uh, number three <laughs> Get Out makes an appearance again number two uh, some more praise for Wonder Woman much deserved right Paul and uh, at number one Okja so also on uh, Rob's list and uh, yeah certainly I'm sure on at least one of the lists coming up so I think we should get into this shouldn't we I think we should get into this I think we should so Jack go Jack you can go first Pete's, Pete started Pete's carried on I've talking. spoken yeah. enough yeah. Uh, take it off me Jack now. go first so, for your number six I think number six for me um, well originally it was going to be five so I've just put this film in um, but it was Manchester by the Sea which obviously was in one of those lists um, I thought it was a really good film in terms of the sort of development of the relationship of um, uncle and nephew um, and how suddenly both their lives changed uh, I thought that was really good and sense of just it was a very emotional film and I think for me sometimes I want that in a film I want to be able to follow the development of the characters um, so yeah that's my number six today interesting choice I didn't go much on it I thought it was quite an overrated film I do need to watch it again um, I, I think but... I think I will in a strange way certainly enjoy it because every time I look at Ma- Michelle Williams I want to cry yeah same like just, yeah. just she could say anything in a film and yeah. I feel like just my heart torn out I don't know what it is um, Paul do you want to go next or yeah so my, my number six um, this this is it's been hard putting this together I think it's been a good a very good year so far to be honest uh, with, the, with some obvious exceptions but my number six uh, getting to the point is uh, Lion by Garth Davis which I thought was fantastic and I actually enjoyed it even more on second viewing I just think it's it's an, it's an emotional sucker punch it's definitely a film of two halves um, 
I would say initially I think I thought the I still maybe think that the first half is stronger with the, with Sonny Pamwa as the young yeah I'm with you on that as the young character as the young boy which I thought was brilliant the second half I think improves with the second viewing certainly the certainly conversations Nicole Kidman has with Dev Patel are just devastating uh, and still just still bring a tear to my eye but I thought Lion was fantastic and I think the director's got a good future ahead of him that's my number six Pete. Cool. I've got at number six uh, a film that certainly divided opinion, and that's Paul Verhoeven's L. Oh, um, Just powered by a, another stunning performance from Isabel Huppert. This film tells the story of a uh, survivor of uh, sexual assault, um, the Huppert character, who happens to be working for a company that makes violent video games. But rather than becoming a victim um, in a sort of uh, bigger sense of the words, she has a very different way of processing and moving on from what occurs at the very outset of the film it is like acting of just very highest order um, there's also some really sharply comic parts in the movie I don't think everything entirely works I think the sort of backstory with her character grated with me a little bit but there's just so much balls in Verhoeven throwing out the kind of films that he does just all over the map mm. that to me is kind of um, like manna from, from heaven when directors are prepared to sort of take those risks and when they work with such talented uh, actresses as, as Isabel Huppert so yeah uh, really left an impression on me that's uh, number six for me L. Number cool. five from you Jack then what have you so got? yeah that moves us on to number five uh, this one had to go in I watched it quite recently uh, it's John Wick chapter two Oh, nice. Generally, because of the <laughs> amount of kills he has in this film, uh, the scene where they're in, um, is it Rome? I think it's Rome. Isn't it? Well, it's definitely. I only watched it last night, so okay. yeah, it's Rome. It's definitely yeah. an Italian city. Um, and yeah, just running around the catacombs, killing these people. Some of them were just graphic, but I thoroughly enjoyed it. I think watching it last night, I think it's the, it was the third time I've seen this, the third time I've seen it now. And what strikes me, and I think you might have mentioned this before Pete so apologies but is the editing is just the, the way you can see every move in the fight that's done there's no jump there's oh, no it's jumping around it's so well shot is, yeah, and that really and that finale in the room in the mirrors we were like we were sitting there watching it and I think Laura just Laura just looked at me and she went what do they do with a camera in there and you're like, wow, they must have had to think about that with all the mirrors and like, so it, yeah, it's a fantastic. It's, well, and the makers, it's easy the, to forget how well put, to, how well constructed that film actually. The filmmakers yeah. that come from a sort of stunt they coordination do, yeah. background, yeah. right? So absolutely, that really yeah. bears but out I think in the film. This you can watch this film as a standalone. I think you don't really have to watch the first one to sort of and, understand. And John Wick One, a very good film yeah, as well, yeah, we should absolutely. say. John but yeah, I think you're right about that. You don't, you don't have to have seen the, the first film to, yeah. to appreciate the second one. So that's good. Good shout. Good shout. Um, my number five is a film that has made the list because I still in I haven't watched it since the cinema. Admittedly, uh, it's Pablo Lorraine's Jackie. Uh, ever, you thought that joke had gone away? It hasn't. Um, this is. Pablo I'm Lorenz. still struggling for like <laughs> how that is a joke. It feels like you're just saying it in a voice that has no connection to the film. That's pretty much the joke. Yeah, most oh. of yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's a humour. Uh, no, this is so. This is Pablo Lorraine's Jackie about Jackie Kennedy. Um, I just what sticks with me in this film is just it looks exquisite it's a technical masterpiece I, I don't think I've seen a film so well edited or so well put together it just so such a striking visual style about it I thought Natalie performance Natalie performance Portman's was great Natalie <laughs> 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 her middle name is performance yeah, yeah, Natalie, oh, Natalie the performance Portman that was a good one you know I couldn't have written that you should keep that uh, Natalie Portman's performance was fantastic in it um, and it's a film that I in I really think didn't get enough love uh, in Oscar season and really really liked it so that's my, yeah, that's my number I five I think you were right I think it'll stand up in, in the sort of passage of time as well as like a really good really fine piece and there's of a, work there's a Pablo Rain box set out at the end of the year which contains Tony Minero um, Postmortem um, and another couple which I'm very excited about because I haven't got around to catching up with this back catalogue I reckon so. there's a chance you might get that box set I think there's a good chance I'll get hmm. that box set yes uh, uh, number me. five for me this is Agashi or The Handmaiden from South Korea's ah. Park Chanuk now we reviewed this film on the show I won't rattle on about it for too long but it's just like uh, Park Chanuk at freewheeling best in this kind of world of, of costumery and like broiling sexual tension and crossing and double crossing and backstabbing and and sort of male dominance and female revenge and all this set in this kind of beautiful period environment that couldn't be shot better by any other filmmaker uh yeah the the handmaiden 
to me one of the most sort of at once um uh yeah like laced up and kind of um carefully arranged and then just like explosively sort of sexual um deviant films that i've seen in a long time so yeah really appreciate seeing more from park chanuk and the yep. handmaiden is great if you handmaiden is it fantastic jack yeah so that's number four uh so this has also been mentioned previously uh so it's lion uh which i watched uh, last weekend actually and i thought it was just extra special it was so nice to just watch the story and how this young lad got lost and suddenly his life changed when he was adopted um i th- i just thought it was a really nice watch um, Frankie, my girlfriend, bawled her eyes out at the end, um, <laughs> which is pretty it's understandable standard for her. I think. Uh, but it, yeah, I I just think it was good. Uh, Dev Patel, um, he's always been quite a nice, well, good I say actor um, in a lot of stuff that he's done. Um, and I just followed him since Skins, I guess. Yeah. Mm. So yeah, really good. Yeah. Thoroughly Still recommend. bested maybe by Jack O'Connell in the Skins alumni. Possibly, yeah, 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 I think so, yeah, yeah maybe, maybe. Right, my number four, uh, Moonlight. Barry Jenkins, Oscar winning, winning, yeah, winning Moonlight. Um, when this, I when I first saw this, I thought it was good, um, but not necessarily as good as a lot of people had said it was. Uh, and then the more time that passes, I haven't seen it since the cinema again. The more time that passes and the more I think about Moonlight, the more I think this was a fantastic film. Mm-hmm. Um, and just the power of it and, and what it's done for its rep- representation, certainly, you know, of young gay black men is, is fantastic. And I just think it's such a concise, well shot and fantastically acted film. And it, and it really has, the more time's gone on since I've seen it, the more it resonates with me. And Moonlight is fantastic and definitely deserved the Best Picture Oscar over La La Land. A for sure. Mm-hmm. Um, number four for me is uh, my girl Kristen Stewart in Personal Shopper uh, it's been one that I've been trying to get everybody to watch as much as I possibly can you've caught up with it now I think Paul right? I have yes. liked it quite a lot well we'll see I think <laughs> the fact that Kristen Stewart's in it put me off but yeah don't let that happen considering it's in your top six the tide jack has it. turned with yeah. Klaus Sills Maria which she made with the same director Olivia Sess uh, like a year and a half ago perhaps um, she was phenomenal there and went toe to toe with Juliette Binoche and I think maybe outacted her in this film um, she's in isolation a lot more it's literally about a sort of person drifting in isolation around uh, Paris she works as a personal shopper as the title might indicate um, but the film really is about connection with the dead um, the film is about grieving uh, bereavement about accepting loss the film's about the role that technology plays in our lives and the way that maybe through technology we can keep alive people who've actually passed on um, it's about being literally but also figuratively haunted and it's also about the fact that this film has one of the best ending shots of any film I've ever seen um, yeah that's Personal Shopper uh, with uh, Kristen Stewart from Olivier Assayas is my number four Jack, top so, three. So, top three. Wow, uh, that's gone pretty quick. Um, my top third film is La La Land. Uh, I picked this generally because for a musical to stand out for me is is quite hard. Um, and I just, I thoroughly enjoyed the jazz. Um, it was a great watch. Uh, Emma Stone is definitely one attractive actress. So I think that's probably the main point Cease- just, just ceaselessly charming as yeah, well as Emma Stone in everything um, and my favourite is the is the piano scene in the club yeah which is uh, no I like La La Land I don't think it would be bothering any top 10 year list or sort of top list for me but I did I did enjoy it and with mentioning the piano scene you do remind me something that always sticks my mind with that movie is that there's a great little cameo from J.K. Simmons yes yeah. and you know that's always something yeah. to, uh, to you know give thumbs up to I think so yeah it didn't make my list either but there were parts of it that I really like. Yeah, as a whole, I really enjoyed it. I've watched it a couple of times, and I do, I do like it. Uh, my number three. This is hard at this point. I think there's these have jumped around. The top three have certainly jumped around. Um, but I'm going to go with the list as I see it in front of me, which puts Okja at number three, uh, which we talked about a couple, uh, a couple of episodes ago. And I just think it, the, the Netflix exclusive film from Bong Joon-ho um, is going to. No, no correction on that one. That could, well, excellent. I'm saying nothing. Yeah. <laughs> uh, I just thought that you know the heart that this this film had um, was fantastic. 
Um, and the energy this filmmaker's got is rapidly becoming, well, is one of my favourite filmmakers, not rapidly becoming one of my favourite filmmakers. I just thought the heart this, this film had was great. Um, it had a lot of it had a lot of sort of madcap energy about it. There were some fantastic set pieces um, and the bittersweet ending. Um, it's not all sort of sweetness and light with the uh, with the cute giant pet pig. Um, it's a, a roller coaster ride that I recommend everyone should take, and I really really liked Okja. So that was my number three. It's at this point, Paul, that I, I do have to confess, and sorry if this ruins the suspense. Okja's just about mi- well, just missed my list. Was well, it okay. number seven? Um, I, I don't need to go into why, but yeah, it doesn't mean that I have anything other than mostly just praise. No, because I mean, we it, you know, there's this Logan hasn't made my list, and there's a number that haven't made my list that don't mean I think they're bad films by any stretch. Mm. Um, you know, so. so at number three, yes. I have gone for a, a film that's already been mentioned, actually, and that is uh, Barry Jenkins' film Moonlight, which uh, I think you were saying, Paul, that over time it sort of resonates with you more, mm-hmm. and, I, and I absolutely agree. I just think the the control that Barry Jenkins has over imagery in this film, it, it sticks with you for yeah. a long time. Even um, notwithstanding the fact that the middle section of the film, I think, is perhaps weaker, a little bit weaker, with the sort of teenage yeah. version of that character, um, because we've got this trifecta of of stages of of life I think the third act or at least the third incarnation of the the central character Moonlight has some of just like the most powerful like electric scenes that I've seen at least this year in the cinema if not for a good few years and everything that can be said by actors at that level without having to say almost anything just was to me just astonishing astonishing work so yeah moonlight isn't a film you're going to forget in a hurry and you're absolutely right paul to say that like the the way in which this can help to ideally to sort of um change the the tide in terms of the way that we might or the society at large might deal with issues of race and sexuality and just being more accepting as a society I think is massively to the film's credit it was clearly a very personal film mm. and that comes across in, in every single part of, of its yeah. running time so yeah really really enjoyed Moonlight that's my number three uh, yeah so saying number two now uh, is Moonlight actually. okay yeah <laughs> all three lists um, yeah. so yeah all and three I think lists, yeah. I definitely agree with the the third section I think for me that was the the favorite following that character. Um, I just you know I just love the transitions between the the three sort of time periods within the film. I thought that worked really well, um, and obviously the fact that it won the Ox- Oscar for best picture. You seen it nearly say it won the Oscar for best picture. <laughs> yeah, almost, yeah. almost said that. <laughs> and the Oscar um, for best picture. But also, <laughs> I'm going to throw a curveball out there. Yeah. Uh, I know I probably shouldn't, but I think Oxer also made number second I couldn't I couldn't really decide oh we've got a double size yeah, okay. controversial so it is, it's a little bit controversial but I, th- I thought Okja should really it's, make my list it's almost like one of your films took the stage to receive second place and then the other film was invited yes. to the stage ah, to receive second place you see what I did there yeah oh yeah so um, yeah I think Moonlight <laughs> and Okja for me were definitely okay. second no good good uh, my number two we are on number two now aren't we? we are yeah. up to number we're two we're doing yeah. well we're doing well I'm <laughs> keeping focused I'm quite tired but I'm keeping focused uh, is Park Chanuk's The Handmaiden which Pete was talking about earlier um, just it looks so beautiful throughout um, I don't it, it, he is just such a stunning filmmaker in, in what in the way he constructs his scenes just just everything about this film I thought was, was fantastic and resonated with me I just it's it's tense. It leads you up the garden path. It's it's a mystery as much as it's it's charged with erotic energy, and and it is really erotically charged, um, in a way that's just in a way that's classy compared to kind of cheap. It's quite hard to describe until you see it. Um, and I just yeah, it's it's a film like none. It's a film like no other really this year. And I think he's you know he's is such a good director. Um, and I think Pete's probably said in, enough on the Handmaidens. Yeah, and like so. go back and watch yeah. everything else whilst yeah. you're it's at out, it. You know, it's out on it. finally out on Blu-ray next week, I think. So certainly pick up the Handmaiden. It's it's fantastic, and I you know uh, it's great. It's, yeah, my number two of the year. Did, did you like it? Yes, a lot. Yeah. <laughs> uh, number two for me to bring us towards that that coveted number one spot is going to be Marin Ade's film Tony Erdman, which we saw oh. uh, earlier this year. One screening only, and we yeah. managed to get there. Um, yeah, I I, I love. 
Tony Erdman. Um, it's about, uh, as we mentioned in our review, about a practical joker of a father who wishes to connect with his daughter who is caught up in her professional life, um, sort of trotting around Europe, working in a corporate environment and losing gradually, bit by bit, touch with herself, I think, as well as losing touch yeah. with her family um, and reaching a kind of level of existential crisis that could only be remedied by her father dressing up as some sort of giant shaggy figure and chasing around the park um yeah it's it's funny in a way that is so unconventional as to like you're mentioning about the the handmaiden is sort of unlike any other film this year and i think you're right and in another way tony urban's act absolutely falls into that same category because some of the humor sort of hit me on that level where you know where something's like really funny and also really just sad at the same time um even the the section right towards the end of the film is not really a spoiler but with the um the daughter trying on the comedy teeth that her father's been um been wearing throughout on the wig and sort of trying to inhabit um, a side of herself which is connected to fun and youthfulness and spontaneity that maybe she's lost over time and feeling kind of you can see in that scene that she's sort of caught between two posts yeah. and she's not quite sure where to go next and I think the same can be said of her father as well he's not just a roly-poly barrel of laughs who steps in and brightens up the world with you know look on the bright side type japery in fact he's quite a conflicted character himself Mm. and he's dragging around his own uh, cross that he sort of has to to bear I think so it's a complex film it's a funny film it's an incredibly well written film and uh, the, the actress is going to escape me but I have to mention her name, uh, Sandra Huller, we talked about a little bit when we did the review. I just think this is one of the best performances of the year. I, I mentioned Isabel Huppert. I think this might be my favourite. I think it is a great performance. It's a great film. Female didn't, performance. didn't year. quite make my list. I thought it may have come out. No, it was 2017 theatrical, wasn't it? UK 2017. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. yeah, it didn't quite make my top six, but it is a fantastic film. And I would say, you know, co- co-sign. There we go, picking up each other's uh, speech patterns. Just there. like All About <laughs> I would. Yeah, I would co-sign on, uh, co-sign on watching that, certainly. Uh, so that brings us to each other's number one. Drum roll, wow, please. Yes. Number one. So this may yeah. decide your homework, Jack. We should we should let people yes. know. So. Uh, so this one didn't make either of your lists. Um, for me, I was thought... it the mummy? No, it wasn't the mummy. <laughs> oh, I, I thought about putting the mummy on there. I think that probably top a hundred films. Um, so it's Logan. Uh, now for me, Logan is possibly one of the best X Men films to date. I think it's the best. Um, it is the best. Uh, also, it's probably Hugh Jackman's best performance as the Wolverine. Um, the fact that they made a film about Old Man Logan was pretty cool. Um, and I just think Hugh Jackman's um, a badass, generally. So, uh, yeah, that's why it made number one for me. And also, uh, the young Spanish actress, I can't remember her name, who played Laura, uh, who is one of the new mutants. Um, just I loved her transition between English speaking uh, Spanish speaking and English speaking yeah. no I thought Logan was great I and it, you know, the fact awesome. it adopts elements of western and feels more like a, yeah. well, it is basically a western it is, with a comic book hero and in it, uh, I think it's great I'm looking forward to seeing the, the black and chrome edition yes the black and white it is out it is out there now the black and white one which is which is cool i didn't think it added much to it interestingly enough oh, not okay. in the same way they added stuff to mad max but yeah logan yeah. no logan's a good show it's a superb film um certainly probably would have made my top 10 if not my top six but yeah cool. logan's a good choice um my number one then pete um is a recommendation of yours in fact you oh, may have probably really? guessed what it is by now uh this is in fact personal shopper um, which you talked about very succinctly earlier. Um, I'm so proud of myself. Right? <laughs> you should be. You should be because uh, yeah, I I just uh, well I tried to see it at the cinema. It didn't come to the cinema. In fairness, so it's not like I was avoiding it. No, but, absolutely. Um, I just I just love this film. It, it picked me up and grabbed me. It was again. It was very close between the top three. Uh, but this film grabbed me in a way similar to the Handmaiden Oxygen. To be honest, and it's grabbed me and picked me up and didn't put me down until the end. And I think the reason the reason Personal Shopper is my favourite film of the year so far is because it felt so different to everything else. Um, I've read people. I've read people criticize. I've read a, a quite critical review of it by saying, "Oh, it adds certain elements in, like the, the actual haunting elements, and then it doesn't know what it wants to do with itself. It doesn't know what it wants to be. It has an identity crisis." I'm sorry, that's bollocks. It knows exactly what it wants to do. It's meant to be as it's meant to be beguiling and confusing um, as as it goes along. I, I I don't know where you would you agree with that, Pete. I think it's it, it's in, it's intended to be baffling in places and I think it's in, you know intends that you, you watch it and stick with it it's got it's, it's just got such an energy about it that it's like nothing else I've, genuinely like nothing else I've seen 
Yeah, yeah. I well, you know my feelings about that film. I yeah. think that it's it's kind of a hard sell to some people because Jack, you were saying about you know people hear Kristen Stewart and they think that a certain she's connotation in it, she said earlier, yeah, connected with her. But then you 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 pitch this film and it's about a girl who's a spirit medium who's trying to be in contact with her brother. Yeah. But she's got a bit part job. You think like what what is this thing? It sounds like so sort of up its own ass that people yeah. aren't it interested. Quite but messy in terms of you know the plot. But it's to be as you say, it's like you've got to experience it. I think, yeah, you, 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 you do you do experience it. It's one of those films if you. If you yeah, if you let it wash over you, and again, this is this sounds a bit cliched and trite, and it's not meant to. If you let it wash over you and just go with it, it's it's amazing. It's just it, it just it grabbed me like well, in no film since The Handmaiden, I would say, or possibly The Handmaiden or Oxford. It's grabbed me in that way, um, and yeah, and, and didn't put me down. And I just I thought it was absolutely superb, and I need to go back and check out certainly director certainly director's back catalogue. I didn't know he was responsible for the Carlos the Jackal miniseries. Yeah. that I've been eager to watch all of rather than the edited version which I haven't got around to yet but yeah he's a fantastic director and Personal Shopper is my best of the year so far now Paul not like this is uh, the sort of thing that I would do but I have to make a confession about my number one no is it a video game if it, yes it is <laughs> <laughs> it's inside the video game uh, no technically I've broken the rules because this film had a UK cinematic release allegedly at the end of 2016 however it had such a slim slight cinematic release that I think I'm justified in putting it on this list we couldn't include it in our end of year list because we had no chance to see it at all and the first opportunity that came around was when it was up on, on streaming platforms so I'm putting it here come at me world uh, my number one film of the year so far is Jim Jarmusch's film Patterson how do you feel about me doing this? I considered it for the list, but put it down as a 2016 film. But I can see why. I can see why you would put it in because, yes, trying to find it in cinemas. Um, I, I basically meant, wasn't like, easy. even so if no, I, that's, that seems fair. I, I, I just want to draw attention to. It. I mean, we even had feedback from from the Facebook or, or Twitter feed with people saying, um, you know, a film that surprised me. I think someone said a film that surprised yeah. me um, was Patterson, and they were sort of people are thinking of it as a 2017 film because nobody saw this here, unless you live in in yeah, London. That's true. Nobody yeah. saw that, it last you know, year. I think yeah, and, and we on Paul, Facebook people have mentioned it. Yeah. I, I'm protesting too much, but we often um, sort of bemoan the fact that you see all these lists that are end of year lists, and they're films that nobody's had the chance to see because the only people who see them are critics who go to festivals and yeah. see advanced screeners and that kind of thing. So anyway, I'm going to carry on talking about why people should check out Patterson. Um, yeah, the reason this came out on top for me, I think, at the end of, of all of my sort of wrestling with this this list, is that. It, I don't know if, if I'm speaking for you here, Paul, but I wondered whether with your pick of Personal Shopper, it, there was a, a resonance to that film based on ber- bereavement to a certain degree. Did, was that in mind when you were watching Personal Shopper or was that sort of a bit incidental and, and to the side for you? Incidental and to the side for me, to be honest. Inter- interestingly, just to go slightly off topic, I yeah. think Amongst the Calls nearly made this list. Yeah, and Amongst the too. Calls very nearly made the list and that resonated for personal reasons and that's probably why it didn't necessarily make the list because right. I thought it might be a little bit biased but no personal shopper and bereavement didn't relate for me well yeah I, I've, but... I've gone the other way then I suppose because for me I just think at root Patterson is a, a film about a amateur poet who drives a bus around a town called Patterson his name's also Patterson it sounds like the most like indie for indie <laughs> yeah. sake thing you yeah. could imagine <laughs> However, at the centre of it, Adam Driver's performance is amazing. Adam Driver just kind of going from strength to strength at, at the moment. But this is a film about putting one foot in front of the other and getting through life. That's what it's about. It's the opposite of pretentious. This is a film about having some ability, some like grain of talent, and just trying to keep doing something, creating something, making something, like lifting your chin up in the morning and, and you know dragging yourself out of bed. That's what Patterson's about, and that's something that is so universally relatable that I can't believe that that certain people have jumped on this film as yeah, like I say, pretentious or sort of overtly Jim Jarmusch sort of staring at, the, mm. at his own shoes. Um, give it a chance because there's such a beating heart in the film it's not about being the best the brightest the most talented the most successful the richest it's not about having a, an apartment in Manhattan but sort of worrying about your relationship problems like a whole number of mm. other films are it's just about you've got a girl or a guy someone in your life that you care for and love and you want to be with that person and try and do the best with that person you're flawed and you're just trying to get by. Yeah. 
I'm in that position and I think you guys are probably in that position and I think a lot of people listening to this show may well feel that they're in that position too and for that reason Patterson is my film of 2016 slash 17 <laughs> so far well, well fair enough well, so that's it so that's that's the films of the yeah, year so far it'll be interesting to see Go on. Oh, I was just going to say, Paul, can can we just throw out some honourable mentions? Because a couple of them have come up already and just throw out anything else that people should see they haven't already. My list goes as follows. Um, It Comes at Night. We've talked about it. It Comes at Night. Fantastic. Watch it. The documentary Tower, which I reviewed on the show. Um, uh, Get Out, of course, from Jordan Peele. Uh, Wonder Woman, I still think, is worth the time, even though they sort of fudge the ending. Dunkirk. I'm sorry. Dunkirk, Dunkirk sure. Yeah, it's a, cin- a cinematic experience. And everyone's Dunkirk. talking about it right yeah. now. Um, a Monster Calls, Paul mentioned it. It's a great shout. That could have been uh, on my list. Colossal nearly made Colossal nearly made my list for being very, very different, um, but won't, certainly won't be to everyone's taste. But Yeah, Colossal I, I liked less, but certainly one that's that's interesting enough to, mm. to be worth watching, I think. Uh, I don't feel at home in this world anymore. Make on Blair's directorial debut um, that was with uh, Mel- Melanie Linsky, which is on Netflix still because yeah. they sort of co-funded it or whatever. It's really, really good and interesting um, and uh, Logan of course was on Jack's list nearly got on my list I thought as far as superhero movies go it was like you said the, the best of the bunch uh, Okja you made your list probably could have made mine as well and of course The Big Sick which we reviewed today yeah. which wasn't actually eligible anything else that, that we've missed off there Hidden Figures was good too Hidden Figures was good yeah no I think it's been I just think generally it's been it's been a good year so far and I think um, you know with noticeable, ex- notable exceptions which have been absolute crap um, there's been even even most of the blockbusters have been you know even Wonder Woman which I seem to think is quite overrated I still don't think it's a terrible film by any stretch so I think it's been it's been a good year I think there's a lot of good releases ahead oh, of us top of your head worst film of the year so far The Mummy no you're wrong and you know you're wrong what else have I think Emma Watson Paul Oh, the circle. The circle. God, I don't know. God. I think the mummy might be worse than the circle. All right, all right. It was I'm going to throw the mummy in there as worst film of the year. Worst film of the, worst so film of the year so far, Jack? I Any? think the, definitely the mummy. Oh, it's two to one. I'm outvoted. So, second worst. Well, I think the circle, the circle definitely is. The circle was is pretty bad, yeah. Yeah, but the mummy, I think, is my worst film of the year. Yeah. So, um, homework, Paul? Yes, what, sh- what shall we set Jack as homework for this week? So, top of your list. Yeah, was Personal Shopper. And top of my list was Patterson. Yeah. Have you seen one or both of those films already? I have seen neither of those films. So I think it's got to be a double homework week. I man. think I should probably watch both of them. Yeah, after there we go. Listening to you explain them both. Well, I you'll be the judge I, in the end. You can say who won. Yes. yes. <laughs> yeah. And I think. Um, thoroughly excited about watching both of those films Patterson's totally going to win great he's going to prefer Patterson I know, it cool. I know he's going to but if you're number one it, it will just be attrition for it be like yeah. Dunkirk I'm just going to talk his ear off until he accepts yeah. that it's the better <laughs> yeah, of the two films yeah, yeah. absolutely so um, yeah that brings us to the end of the show uh, find us on Twitter at Strangers Cinema on Instagram Strangers in Cinema on Facebook Strangers in Cinema and this is where I get to say Strangers in Cinema all the time uh, yeah. thank you to you guys to everyone who, who wrote on who wrote in about top five Sorry absolutely didn't mention everyone um, but you know we try to get a, a yeah and keep that feedback coming guys yes. if you left a comment leave another one tell somebody else you know we appreciate that and it really gives us stuff to chew on as well in the show itself so um, Paul coming up next week do we know what's going to be around or is that TBA at the moment I think that might be TBA at the moment oh Valerian and the City of a Thousand Planets will sure. be certainly one of the feature reviews next week um, there is yeah I think that's the one we've got confirmed at the moment we'll leave we're a space we're going to try and get to something else as well uh, but certainly Luke Besson's Valerian and the City of a Thousand Planets will be up next week um, but that is it for this week so it's, it's goodbye from me Paul goodbye from me Pete goodbye from me Jack shut up and sit down